Welcome to the Green Feed Podcast. My name is Robert. On today's episode, we got some really exciting news from Titleist. We talk about the new Honma TR21X irons, and then a new release and update to the RTX Zipcore from Cleveland. Like I said, we got a great episode today. Let's get to it. All right, so we are going to start today like I have the last two episodes. Episode three is going to start with bourbon of the day. And today we are drinking Garrison Brothers Texas bourbon. It's made here in Texas. If there's one thing Texans like, it's things that are made in Texas. So we support our state more than any other state, I think. So I'll be drinking on that while we have this discussion today. All right, so... Let's take a look. We are going to start today with the Titleist CNCPT irons. So these are, obviously that is short for concept, CNCPT. That's what they call it. So we're going to call it concept from here on out. Now, let's talk about these. Let's talk about the history of this lineup from Titleist, what this is, what it could turn into, anything like that. Basically, where we're going to start is back with the C16 irons. All right, so the C16s were, at the time, Titleist going, you know what, we are going to see if we put no limit on the cost of these and we don't have to think about people buying them and their budgets, things like that. We're going to absolutely see what we can do in terms of technology. And they created the C16 iron. They were very expensive. They were um, pretty crazy. They they looked pretty pretty nice, but they were they were way ahead of their time in terms of tungsten and, and things like that. So um, you can kind of see some of the design concepts of some of the uh, AP2s, the AP1s. They kind of look like the C16s when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But um, obviously there were some differences. So um, looks like this year we're getting some new ones. They're calling them, like I said, the CNCPT or the concept irons. Um and yeah, so these are really Titleist's fun project that they do where they don't have to consider budget or someone spending X amount of dollars on anything like that. So what they were doing, so what what they're doing here is they they come out with this concept and then they kind of use some of the the things in it and use that at, at different times. So the biggest thing that we're we're looking for in these 2020s is gonna be um, probably something with ATI. Um, I know that sounds like who the heck is ATI, but they are a uh, specialty materials company. They work with turbines, submarines, deep sea mining, things like that. Looks like we may be getting some of their stuff in the new driver as well as in these uh, concept irons. It's gonna be pretty cool. Um, each iron is going is uh, forged, cast, and then processed to the limits of that manufacturing precision. And, and what that's going to do is it's going to allow uh, Titleist to create probably some of the thinnest uh, faces that we're going to see. Thin faces equal more ball speed. More ball speed equals more distance. So it's going to be pretty cool to see. Some of the technology that they're really pushing in this is um, something they're calling the metal L facing insert. 
Um, like I said, it's going to be a whole new face for them, it appears. Um, it's going to be thin. It's going to be constant thickness, so you're not going to get that um, kind of hot spot and, and where it's thin in the middle and then it gets thicker on the outside where you see those flyers with those uh, center shots or, or shots that go 10 yards shorter, 10 yards longer than any other shot. So they're really going to do that with the uh, the super metal L face insert. Um, the L shape that they're using uh, moves that weld line. So when they when they make a golf club and they have a different face material, they have to weld it to the rest of the stainless steel body or the carbon the carbon steel body. And so what this is going to do, it's going to move it more out, and so it's going to give it a little bit more. Um, more ball speeds, increased launch, things like that. And then the biggest thing probably in these irons that, we, that we're that we looking at is high-density tungsten. So we know tungsten has really been used a lot lately, especially in the soles of irons. And tungsten is a very dense, very, very dense um, material. So what you're able to do with tungsten is you're able to put less of it down and get the same weight. So you can create smaller club heads that have massive amounts of weight on the outsides, things like that, to, to increase the MOI. So these are going to use quite a bit of tungsten. We're talking um, a minimum of 100 grams of tungsten, and that is that is a crazy amount of tungsten to use on a golf club, especially a, an iron like this. So with these there are going to be three different models so we are looking at the cp02 uh, the Titleist cp02 irons that's going to be the closest thing to their uh blade it's a smaller blade size head but it is a hollow body iron so kind of something along the lines of the p790 maybe even something like a uh, pxg something like that so we are going to get a blade sized head but it is going to be hollow body and, and again, that's probably because of the use of tungsten. It actually averages on the three to eight irons. You're, you're looking at 113 grams of tungsten per head. So then we move to a more moderate sized CP03 iron. So with these, you're looking something, maybe an AP2, something like that. Um, maybe the new T100s. Um, the, the title is Better Player Cavity Back Irons. It's going to be something a little bit more like that in terms of in terms of size of head. Now, these don't have a cavity back. They have it's pretty flat on the back, but they are a hollow body iron. So again, think of something like that P790, right? It's going to be something that looks like a blade from far away, but in reality, it's kind of thick. It's a shorter heel to toe, but it is a little thicker than a traditional blade. And then from there, we move to the CP04. And basically there, um, you're looking big-time ball speeds. You're looking maximum forgiveness. Um, they're going to be the biggest of the three. So they're really like an AP1, uh, the T200, I want to say. Um, they're going to have the widest soles. They're going to be, quote, the most forgiving. So you're really looking at um, some, some specialty um, game improvement irons there. So when we talk about it, everything's going to be able to be blended pretty easily in terms of uh, creating different sets, combo sets, things like that. The the crazy thing is with these, with the O2, O2, with the O2, you're looking at a 44 degree pitching wedge, 
with the 03 and the 04, you're actually looking at a 43. So um, that's that's some pretty fit, uh, strong loss. Obviously, there are some that are even stronger, but um, me personally, I like a 46 degree pitching wedge. So then I can set my irons up 50, 50 or my wedges up 50, 54, 58. That's just me. It's all personal preference. Obviously, you can throw a gap wedge in there at at 48 and then go 52, 56, 60. That just it just feels like it takes an extra club to accomplish the same thing. So um now the next crazy thing about these, like I said, these were created with the idea that there were going to be no budget limitations for them. So they use high quality materials, they use very high-end materials. Everyone uses high-quality materials, but they use very high-end, almost luxury metals in this in these irons. And so with that comes that price tag, like I was mentioning. And I hope you're sitting down for this, but we're looking at $500 an iron. So if you want to, if you want a seven-piece set, if you're looking for something four through pitching wedge, um, something along those lines, you're going to be looking at thirty-five. Hundred dollars again, a set of irons, thirty-five hundred dollars. If I'm being honest, those better. I better not even have to swing to get these close to the hole. If I'm paying thirty-five hundred dollars for them, I better pick up an extra two clubs, and I better be able. Every shot better end up six feet from the pin, and I better have a shot at birdie. I mean, that is a crazy amount of money for a set of irons, especially when you start considering some of the other options like what I'm going to get to here next, actually. When you start considering these Honma TR21X irons, it's kind of crazy to think that somebody would pay that much more money for for these Titleist irons than these Honmas. I got to say, looking at these TR21Xs, we got another hollow body, a hollow body player's distance iron, um, but these these look great. These are they they're just they're really they're really pretty. It's they they remind me a lot from the top of a P P seven ninety, but f on the back they just have. These beautiful cutouts, the muscle on it's really nice. The little Honma Anteater thing, whatever that logo is, big fan of that. There's not much stamping. It's very simple, very plain. It just looks really nice. Kind of kind of a classic looking iron, which is weird to say when we're talking about a um, one of those hollow body players distance irons. So... A little bit of information on Honma. Not everybody knows Honma. Um, when we talk about them, they started out as a Japanese company. They're really big in the JDM, which is the Japanese domestic market. They're very big in that space. And they decided they wanted to move over to the States and really get a foothold in the, in the United States. And their plan with that was to hire um, Justin Rose as the company's spokesperson. They're, he was going to be their tour player. He was going to be the one that really gave them the credibility that they wanted. Unfortunately for Honma, though, they ran into a big problem. Um, 
The problem was Justin Rose didn't win with their irons. He actually kind of struggled with them. You didn't see him much on leaderboards, things like that. It was a very tough sight to see. Uh, he wasn't playing poorly, but he wasn't playing well. He kind of dropped off. He he wasn't the top five player in the world that we've kind of known Justin Rose to be when he was with TaylorMade and, and things like that. And so right before Corona hit, we actually were hearing rumors that they were that he was dropping Honma, and come to find out, those rumors were true. So um, it, it's very unfortunate for them because I'll tell you what—they make some good-looking stuff. They make some actually really good performing stuff. Uh, a lot of people I know who have hit their stuff really say great things about them. People who play their stuff, um, but you do hope that they continue to press here in the U.S. market. Because, like I said, they make some pretty good-looking stuff. It just it doesn't get the love that it should because of marketing, things like that. But they are coming out with this new TR21X iron, and that's really going to be their chance to uh, really get their foothold in that player's distance category. That category where somebody wants something a little bit thinner, something a little bit more compact, and they, they want something that looks good, but they also want all that ball speed. So... Those hollow body irons that we can hollow out and get thin faces and and send the ball flying with with low spin things like that. Honma's going to try and get in there as well. So they are really going to work with again tungsten. Tungsten's a big thing for Honma as well. They're they're not putting as much tungsten into that uh, TR21X iron as. Titleist is with the concept irons, but they are putting a decent amount, somewhere in like the 70 gram range. Um, it, But what's kind of cool about these is Honma has, really what Honma's doing is they're putting it low and back. They are actually able to shape the head in such a way that they're able to almost create something that looks like a driving iron from the bottom. It's pretty thick at the bottom, nice wide sole. Um... But from the top, they did a good job of hiding it. And so what that really allows them to do is put tungsten low, like we see with most irons, but also move it a little bit further back away from the face so that we're able to get this high launch, um, high launch, high launching shot that is able to get the height it needs to really hold the green. So it's um, it looks good. I gotta say, from from the top down, it's it's pretty. It's pretty nice. It's pretty pretty nice. We gotta, we really gotta give them their their credit from the top down. From the back, it looks great as well. It, it when you put these in your golf bag, the gold accents, um, the the black, the gold on that silver club head, it looks great. The cutout is perfect. You gotta take a look at these. I'll I'll post a story on the blog about them so you can take a look at them, see what they look like. But I gotta say, big fan of them so far. I can't wait to actually get them in my hands and actually take some shots with them. So now when we talk about hollow body irons, the biggest thing we want to to talk about is is kind of what are they filling it out with, right? Uh, TaylorMade has their speed foam, whatever the heck that is. PXG has their foam. Um, I think Ping. Ping doesn't use a foam, I don't believe. Who else has these hollow body irons? Cleveland has the UHX. I don't believe that has a foam in it. 
Uh, let's see. Cobra doesn't have one. TaylorMade uses their speed foam. Yeah, so it looks like most people are using foam, some kind of goo, um, something like that. Ping doesn't do anything. Honma's using a proprietary foam that, that doesn't hurt the, the flexing of the face, but what it ends up doing is providing that sound dampening quality. So if you listen to my podcast on the Ping G425 irons and things like that, you will notice that I said I really didn't like the sound of the Ping hollow body irons, um, whether it was their driving iron, or I'm sorry, their crossover, or the, um, the I-500 irons. They just had a real ping, dink, dink, dink noise to them that I just wasn't a big fan of. So um, it's nice when the companies use the, the, the foam so that it just feels a little bit better. So I was talking about price with the Titleist Concept Irons and how they're $500 an iron and that they better be pretty damn good if they're going to do that. Well... These Honmas, they're not, what am I trying to say here? They're substantially cheaper. So you're getting tungsten, granted not as much. You're getting a hollow body iron. Granted, these don't look as good as those Titleist do. I will fully admit that. Those Titleist irons are sexy. These TR21X irons are beautiful. They look great, but they're nowhere near that Titleist. But... If you can hold out and you can buy these Honmas rather than the Titleist, if you can convince yourself, you're looking at $188 in steel with a steel shaft for these. So for just about the price of three of these, you get one Titleist iron. So $188 times seven, that's what, right around 1000 bucks probably. $1,200, somewhere in there probably. Um... So you can get a full set for the cost of three of those Titleist irons. So me personally, I'm a I'm a fan of keeping things on a budget. And these Honmas, while not as pretty, don't have as much tungsten. I would venture to say that these are going to be pretty good and you may not lose much over those Titleist. Now again, those Titleist are beautiful. They are they represent the top of the line when it comes to irons and it's hard to go against them, but that price 500 for an iron, they're going to be very select and very niche. Whereas these Honmas may not be that. So all right, now rounding out the podcast today, we have a very interesting and very cool new thing coming to you from Cleveland. I can't remember if I did an episode on the zip core where I mentioned the zip core. Um, but the new Cleveland wedges are called RTX zip core. We can kind of talk about it real quick. If I didn't touch on it, I'll do a quick refresher. Um, the zip core is a special material that they've basically put in the hosel kind of hollow it out a little bit so they could take that weight and move it in other places on the head. So really they're they're just moving they're moving weight from one end to to the other out a little bit towards the toe. That puts the center of gravity, the sweet spot closer to the middle of the head rather than by the heel where a lot of wedges are. 
So they're kind of doing some material moving things like that. They have a new finish that they use on their like a new heat treatment to make them last longer. One of the big knocks on the on the zip cores when they first came out was the fact that they only came in chrome finish. A lot of people don't like chrome finishes. It it makes them very shiny and the reflection of that chrome can create a glare that some people don't like. Based on some of the pictures that we saw though, we could tell that some more finishes were coming down the pipe. It was just a matter of time. And that time came this past week when Cleveland announced a, a black satin finish. And then what they're calling the tour rack finish, um, I guess it's a raw finish. We can, we can call it, we can call it what it is. It's a, uh, it's a raw finish. Now the black finish, I know you're probably wondering, is it, uh, uh, diamond black DBM. Unfortunately, it's not. It's a PVD. And PVD does get worn out pretty quick. It's got a bad rap, things like that. But um, I personally, I like the way black finishes wear, even PVD ones. But to be fair, the critique of PVD is not unwarranted. They do look very worn out very quickly, even if they are brand new. Um, one sandy rain session here in Texas, and we are running into um, a pretty worn-looking soul and face. Again, doesn't necessarily bother me, but it does bother some people, especially when you pay that much for a club and it looks worn out pretty quick. That will be a problem for them. Um, it's a coating. It's going to wear out, but it, it it is what it is. If you like the black, then it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Now, I did mention that they have a raw finish that they are calling Tour Rack. Tour Rack is pretty cool. Um, me, personally, I'm a huge fan of raw clubs. If I could, I would play nothing but raw clubs and have that cool rust patina on my club faces and all over the back and stuff. I love the way it looks in a bag. I love, and I love the way they feel. I just love everything about it. So um, it's cool to see Cleveland come out with this. Cleveland, Cleveland has had a has had a raw finish in the last couple of releases. So it's it's not a surprise that they're doing this, but it is pretty cool that it's coming out. They are charging you a little bit extra, which, side note, pretty much every club manufacturer charges you extra for a raw finish, which is a which is kind of BS when you think about it. They don't have to pay to do the chrome. They don't have to pay to do the black satin, the PVD. It costs them less material, less time, because when it goes through a, when it goes through the PVD machine for the black finish, and you get splotchy PVD, you now have to redo all those clubs. You got to sandblast them, you got to do whatever, and then you got to redo it. So that just causes more errors, right? If it's not, if it doesn't look right, if we don't like the way it looks, and it doesn't pass QC, that whole batch has got to be thrown out. Yet for a raw finish, we don't have to do that. We stamp the club, we put the paint on it, and we don't have to, we, we do the paint fill, we mill the lot, we mill the grooves, we mill all everything between it. We we do all all of that, and then it's done. It doesn't need PVD, it doesn't need chrome, it, it's done. It it goes to paint fill, it goes to QC, and it's and it's over. So I don't really understand why. Raw clubs are always more expensive. 
like you have to do less to it if if you gave me a car and it had no paint on it if i went to chevy and i bought i would never buy a chevy i'm sorry if i went to honda and i ordered a car and i said i prefer it with no paint i like the raw metal why would they then charge me the full price for a car like you didn't do a step i'm not paying more for a car that has less steps like if i told them i'll install the fuel line uh, you know what? I'll install the fuel pump. You just send it. And I'll install the fuel pump. You don't have to pay somebody to do that. And then they charged me more for that car. What? That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, sorry to sidetrack that. Um, where was I? The, the tour rack is a raw finish. They charge you 20 extra bucks for that raw finish. And... It is what it is. Um, where it gets really cool with these tour rack wedges, though, is customization. So one of the cool things that tour players get that we, we peons don't get is um, the ability to really get a sole custom ground for us. Right? Tour players, they do a lot with their wedges. They take it to the tour truck, the wedge guy on the tour truck. Fits them for it, grinds it down, and then they refinish it and they make everything pretty and look good. Well, we don't have that option, right? We get we get four or five grinds from from Vokey. We get a couple of grinds from from Callaway, and it kind of is what it is. Well, Cleveland has always offered three, four souls, I guess you could say, grinds, right? The full, the mid, the low, and then in some of the higher lofts, you actually have an extra low uh, soul grind. All right. Well, they're taking that next level. Cleveland, if you get that tour rack, they're actually giving you the ability to have one of their master grindsmen. I don't know if that's what they're actually called, but um, they're they're giving them they're giving you the opportunity to have them grind. Your, the sole of your club for you. So they're offering four different grinds. So we talk about the relief edge grind. So on the back side of the sole, they're going to grind a little off there. You got the heel grind where they're going to grind off some of that heel that's going to help you open the face. Um, then they'll also do a heel and a toe grind. So what's cool about that is you get that, you get that benefit of opening the face with the heel. But then if you want to kind of put it down in the toe a little bit, use it more like a putter for chipping, things like that, you're going to have that ability as well. And then they're doing what's called an S-shaped grind, which is actually a combination of the relief edge grind and the and the uh, heel grind. So what that's going to do is that's going to lower that leading edge when you open up that face, right? So it's going to allow you to really hit those high, handsy, flippy, uh, almost a flop shot, right? You're going to get that... Um, you're going to get that grind in the heel that's going to help you open up the face. And then that relief edge grind is going to take some off the back end of the off the back end of the sole. It's going to allow it to lay a little bit flatter, get that leading edge off the ground so that that club can really get 
underneath that ball, you can really you can really pop that ball up and hit that flop shot that you're looking for. So it's really going to give you some of that really cool uh, improved versatility. It's also really helpful in the bunkers. So in that bunker, when you're on that green side bunker and you're and you got a you short you short sided yourself that green side bunker, that S shaped grind is going to really allow you to open up that face, blast that sand out, blast that ball out, nuzzle up right next to the pin, tap in for your par, and go about your business. Now the other cool thing, so they're allowing you to do those cool grinds, but with that, there's also another piece of, of wedge grinding that a lot of people don't know about. And what that is, is that's the leading edge. So when you're holding a wedge, I wish I could, I wish this was on video. When you're holding a wedge, the, the shape of the leading edge, so the part that is at the very front of the club, hits leading edge, the shape of that can actually affect your turf interaction as well, as much as the grind does. So for me, I have a very shallow angle of attack. I don't, I, I play in firm conditions because I live in Texas. So when I look at that, I can choose one of the options that they give us. So they give us three, three main options. So they have a sharpened leading edge, which is for very firm conditions with a shallow angle of attack. So somebody like me who's a picker with the ball, I don't leave very deep divots when I'm hitting my wedges, things like that. Even on full and partial shots, I just don't take much of a divot. I want that club to kind of dig into the ground a little bit, not bounce up. So that sharpened leading edge is going to be great for somebody like me. Standard standard leading edge, I could also play that medium firm um, to firm somewhere in there. I could also play that. That wouldn't be too bad for me. The reason being is I would be able to um, – it'll dig in a little bit. Sometimes I can get a little fat. I can get a little quick and, and kind of chunk it. So um, if I have that sharpened leading edge, it's going to stick a little bit more. That standard leading edge is going to give me a little bit more relief. And then if you play in very soft conditions, you don't want that sharp edge just sticking into the ground. If it sticks, it holds, you're going to dig right in, especially if you play in, in uh, wet or soft conditions. Or if you're somebody who comes in really steep, you want that leading edge to be rounded so that it bounces a little bit and doesn't dig right into the ground. So you, they give you those three options. So for somebody like me who has that shallow angle of attack, I could use that sharpened leading edge on a 54 degree that I go full I go full swing with that. So a lot of times, or three-quarter swing, I'm not a huge chipper with it. So what I could do is I would go with the heel and toe grind and then go with a standard leading edge because the full shot, I'm not as shallow with the full shot. And then on my 58, what I would do is go the sharpened leading edge with the S-shaped grind. It really allow me to open it up on my 58, really be able to stick it, get it in there, and make it work for me. Now, another cool thing Cleveland has offered on their clubs for um, at least last cycle, maybe the cycle before, but I think it was just last the last wedges, is the ability to customize them. It's pretty cool. You can get some stamps. You can choose some colors. It's not anything too complicated, if we're being honest, but it's, uh, it's a cool way to customize your customize those um, those clubs for you. If you got a cool logo and you're doing a company outing or something like that, there is 
laser etching they can do. So overall, pretty cool stuff. Tour Wrecked is 169. Um, the black satin and the regular tour satin are going to be 149.99. So you're looking, like I said, twenty dollar up chat uh, up. Uh, sorry, you're looking for a twenty dollar upcharge with the raw, even though they do less to it. So you got some cool options with your wedges. You're going to get some really cool new things coming uh, from Holma and Irons. And if you're somebody who likes to be at the front of technological advances, you're going to have some really cool options with with these new Titleist irons. So until next week, folks, I hope you have a great week, minute, year, month, however often you listen to me. I hope your life is going well. If you have any questions, please send them to me. TheGreenFeeGolf at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at TheGreenFee1. Instagram, search me at TheGreenFee. On YouTube, search TheGreenFee. I'm doing a really cool golf equipment 101. So if you're listening to this and you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk grinds and I talk wedges and I talk irons and things like that, go over there, find those videos. Those are pretty cool. Just started that this week as well. So um, go check that out. I don't know if I already said Facebook. I'm on Facebook at the Green Fee. So if you just search the Green Fee in your search bar, Twitter the Green Fee, Insta or Twitter the Green Fee one, Instagram the Green Fee, Facebook the Green Fee. I don't know where else you can find me. Like, subscribe to everything you can find me on. If you have any questions, again, find me on social media. Send me that email. Comment on my YouTube videos. Have a great day, folks.